and welcome to the latest Sounds of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Matthew Ibrahim. So Matthew is a strength and conditioning coach and he has been since 2007. Recently he's moved into academia where he works at Endicott College as a clinical coordinator and a course instructor of exercise science. Next to that he's also a strength and conditioning coach for the basketball team and that makes him the perfect person today to discuss how physios and strength and conditioning coaches can learn from each other in order to get the best out of their performance. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Matthew onto the show. So Matthew Ibrahim, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back again. Matt, thanks for having me back, man. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to jumping in. Uh, thank you very much for, for taking the time to come back a, a second, second time, because obviously we had some uh, technical <laughs> difficulties with the first one, and you've very generously given up some more time. So uh, mate, thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got the reps in, so this has got to be perfect, right? If, if it's not good now, mate, we've, I don't know how to make it any better. We've already tried. So we um, before, we, before we get into it, uh, can you give us a quick introduction to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, the, the simple way that I always take this part on is just I'm a coach in everything that I do. So if I'm uh, in my full-time role as a clinical coordinator of internship here at Anacott College in, in Boston, Mass., taking care of internships, mentoring students, getting them in the right spots. I'm also a professor of, of exercise science as well, so academically in the classrooms. If I'm coaching the athletes in the weight room, if I'm traveling, speaking, if I'm all those type of things, I'm coaching, I'm instructing, I'm educating, I'm guiding, I'm facilitating learning. So for me, that's that's super important. Um, I'm about a year left for my PhD. Uh, apologies, less, less than. So about May 2024, I'm also in a master's degree here, um, simultaneously here at <laughs> here at the college. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've just, I've just had three different jobs, a, a well, PhD and a master's. With, How's that with, going? With the, with the, the, so I already have a master's. This is more of... Um, sport leadership, a little bit different track. Um, fortunate enough to do it in the same school of sports science here at the college. So very grateful for that. And then uh, a book through Human Kinetics. Um, it, it's already been sent to the editors for training for athletic performance. Um, I'm waiting till about mid-November to put some final touches on that, and then we'll blast that out. Hopefully, early 2024. And then my probably my passion project, Athletic Performance University, or APU. I run that like a like a course undergraduate course so that's for if you're an undergraduate exercise science student or if you're one to five years in the field as a strength and conditioning coach or personal trainer it's all snc foundations for that specific population um, i have physical therapists in there as well which will lend credence to the topic we're going to discuss but i run that as an eight week semester in the spring the summer the fall year round so we're wrapping up another month of the fall and then we'll, we'll head into the spring soon Wait, how, can you just quickly take me through how you do all of that? How many hours have you got in a day? Have you got, have you got like little like I have extra, a very extra little patient, secret hours somewhere? I have a very patient and caring and, and, and uh, thoughtful and loving wife who, you know, the, the agreement is just put your head down and work and, uh, <laughs> and do what you can. And so uh, I'm very fortunate and grateful. And I don't take any of these things for, for granted that I have opportunities to help. And so for me, that's the most important thing. I have a, a you know, a grandmother and parents and, and you know grandmothers and grandfathers and parents who migrated from Italy, migrated from Armenia. And so the service-based mindset is instilled in me and the, how can I help that kind of that mentality. So I'm just grateful, man. Grateful. Absolutely. Excellent. So uh, obviously we need to, to discuss how physios and SSC coaches can, can kind of learn from each other. So mm-hmm. before we get into exactly those things um can you talk us through what those roles are so they're the separate roles although there's huge links between the two of them so mm-hmm. just to define exactly what a physio does or an athletic trainer however you want to 
describe that in the in the context of your country mm-hmm. and a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, no, for sure. And I want to be like you said, man. I want to be respectful of the context of the country. I'm going to use the word strength and conditioning coach and then physical therapist. But like you had alluded to, SNC coach, personal trainer, fitness professional versus a physical therapist, a physiotherapist, sports medicine provider, athletic trainer. So I'm going to look at it like that. So the SNC coach's job essentially you're 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 programming and coaching for the goal of building qualities and strength, power cardiovascular endurance, muscle, you know, hypertrophy, so on and so forth. With physical, with physical therapy, the goal is more, okay, there's evaluation, there's diagnosis, there's targeted reha- rehabilitative approaches for a specific injury, and then there's a very, uh, very progressive model from a rehab standpoint to then uh, add graded exposure of exercise to get someone back to returning to their activity, their, their fitness level, their sport, their athletics, or so on and so forth. Absolutely excellent. So with those two differences, what do you think are the key skills which then uh, a physio or uh, the medical practitioners will use? So from the from the physio side, I think the most important thing is that we understand physical therapists, physios have a great knowledge of how to diagnose, how to evaluate, how to examine, how to rehabilitate and regenerate tissue, joint, tendon, help someone do those pieces. What I think is really important for physios to add to their tool belt is program design and periodization. You know, not just, and and I'm saying this from the lens of, I want this to occur in doctor or physical therapy school. I think it's needed where most physical therapy schools give out therapeutic exercise classes, right? Whereas what about program design? What about periodization? What about understanding uh, load and how uh, you know building tissue capacity outside of tissue remodeling and rehabilitative um, formats, and I think that's a missing link that physical therapists can learn from the strength and conditioning world. You'll see this right now. A lot of uh, DPT programs or Doctor of PT programs in the states are adding into their curriculum strength and conditioning principles for physical therapists. It's it's being added in at a high level. Um, so much so at the APTA level, American Physical Therapy Association level, that there is a specific you know push for that, which I think is very important because if you come out of PT school and you don't know how to add load or resistance train or strength train or program outside of your typical, and I'm putting up air quotes, three by 10, you're not going to provide any sort of physiological adaptation for someone that they're going to need when they sprint, cut, jump, land, play athletic sports. Sure, maybe... Um, you know, 55-year-old Joe, who's a mailman, will be fine. But what about Matt, who plays professional soccer? He needs to operate at high intensities. We know that the weight room, the fitness center, you cannot replicate in-game, in-activity, in-sport intensities and speeds. It's, it's literally impossible. However, you can, take, you can put a really good dent into it if you apply some of those skills in the weight room or in the clinical, clinical setting. Absolutely excellent. So when, when it comes to what strength and conditioning coaches can learn from the physios then how is that different because i say physios endlessly by the way i'm, I'm trying to yeah. trying to switch my mentality there mm-hmm. so from from the the medical side what can the strength and conditioning coaches then start to learn it's a great question so what i like to add in my exercise program design course that i teach at the undergraduate level i've taught it for five years now three different programs and and I, it's also part of what i do in my mentorship is teaching strength and conditioning coaches 
the value of not just using RPE scales and RIR, like reps and reserve scales, understanding and building out a visual analog scale or using literature to, 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 to operate with that lens. In simple terms, a pain scale. So the literature talks about a zero to 10 visual analog scale or VAS. And the literature talks about a, between a zero and a five is acceptable from a pain scale, whereas above a five to a 10 is unacceptable. We don't want someone doing that. Meaning you sort of have to kind of muddy the waters a bit. So if Matt comes in and says, all right, I'm dealing with Achilles tendinopathy. You knew I was going to talk about calves. And, and we're, we're, we're doing some heel raises, some single leg heel raises, eccentrics, tempo work. And Matt says, I'm like, hey, here's a pain scale. 10 is the most highest level of pain you've ever experienced in your entire life. Zero is no pain. You're sleeping, right? And Matt says, all right, I did a set. Hey, hey, coach, uh, it's, it's about a four out of 10. Great. Keep going. I'm okay with that. The visual analog scale talks about a zero to five being okay. For me, I like to utilize a zero to four. If I have someone who tells me they're a four out of 10 after I've given you the context and I've showed you the scale or the chart and you say to me, hey, it's a four, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yellow flag that and say, okay, let's continue to monitor this. Let me collaborate with a sports medicine rehab professional. Let's just be alert, but we're not going to make you changes yet. If Matt next time he does it says, hey, that's a five out of 10 pain, I'm going to completely stop. I'm going to regress or lateralize the exercise, just decrease intensity or, or volume, whatever one I feel best, and get to a place where I, I, want, to be, I want it to be low, a four or lower. I'm going to also collaborate with a sports medicine professional. I'm go, also going to advise that athlete or client, I think you should go see that sports medicine professional get their clinical insight and then come back to me. Now we have that triangle, right? We have that high performance model team triangle where I'm the coach working with the rehab provider, helping the athlete stack wins. Absolutely. Excellent. So before we get on to like how you can go about doing those things and how to, to learn those skills, um, cause you've obviously just talked through a little bit how to, how to do the, the S and C side, but I'm, ex I'm excited to hear about how you can really apply that and, and get that knowledge and yeah, really take that further. But before mm -hmm. we do that, um, I'm interested to hear what you think skills are, which both of those groups could be learning mm -hmm. to bring their performance to a higher level. Number one, communication. Like this is the most underappreciated, underutilized tool in our field that people are just kind of like, nah, I don't need that. It's not important. Open line of communication. I literally spent a year and a half as a nomad, personal in-home strength coach, traveling to people's homes in the area where I live. I got all 15 of those athlete or client opportunities via three different PT clinics simply because I knew them, they knew me and we kept an open line of communication. And I felt very comfortable saying, Hey, Dr. So-and-so, um, I got this, this client dealing with X, Y, or Z injury. I would love for him to go to you, get an evaluation. And then that PT said, wow, like you're not afraid of losing money. Like people are afraid of losing money. Why? It's helping the athletes, helping the client. So I sent a I would send clients to PTs all the time. There was three particular PTs locally that I would send them to or physios and I operate as the coach and we kept those athletes and clients healthy and we both, we both made money and the clients won and they got healthier. They built strength, they built health, fitness, whatever, like all their goals. So to me, I think communication is number one, being, having an open line of communication. Number two, being comfortable, being vulnerable. You know, I think there's this thought process where a strength conditioning coach might be like, well, you know, I have all the answers. Um, I don't like saying I don't know. And, you know, what I, say, what I say goes. That may very well be a thought process in the physical therapy world as well. Hey, I'm the medical provider. I know what's best for this athlete. Why not have a conversation? Why not be okay with being vulnerable? Dr. Merrick Lincoln, 
out in Michigan, writes a lot for T Nation as well. He just uh, did a guest lecture for my APU mentorship last night on this exact topic, how to build a homegrown high performance mo uh, team model with physios, with strength coaches, with, you know, how, how, and how to operate. And so he's, he echoed this as well. So number one, open line of communication. Number two, being comfortable with being vulnerable and not having all the answers because you need to work together as a team. If you see Michael Jordan above me in, in the video, Michael Jordan, he wasn't grabbing all the rebounds and blocking all the shots. He was the scorer. He, he was the killer. Dennis Rodman grabbed the rebounds, blocked the shots. You have to play your role in the team. Absolutely excellent. So obviously when we're looking to learn all of these different things, um, you can't just do it with a book. Like, like brilliant if you can, but most people can't do it with just a book. So how can these practitioners go about learning the skills which you've mentioned in order to then improve their performance in their working environment? Time and observation. So number one, spend the time to learn about the other individual. I'll use my standpoint. So I'm a coach. If I want to learn about the physical therapy side within my lens, right? So within my coaching lens, I'm not going to do joint manipulation. I'm not going to do, um, you know, diagnosing injury. That's not, not my lens. However, I can learn how a physical therapist operates by spending the time to listen to them, to talk to them, to meet them in person, just talking through it. And then also observing them in action. Hey, Hey, Matt, I heard you're a great physio in the town over. Do you mind if I just swing by for an hour and just watch, take notes, and learn about you and ask some questions after? Yeah, why not? So spend the time to learn about them, talk to them, spend the time to observe them in action, doing their job, and then you can follow up with questions. And then what you're going to do is, in my opinion, I'm validating, I'm showing you that I value your skill set. Who doesn't like to feel as though they're valuable, Right. So, hey, great job, Matt. I'm a huge fan. Like, that was great. Like, I could see how this could apply and how I could then take some of these elements and use them in my setting as a strength coach. When you show that level of sincerity, like I genuinely appreciate what you do, I think what you're doing is you're building trust. You're building buy-in and, and you're enhancing that team effect. Brilliant. So, obviously, you've got all of those different things put together. You've gone, right, we can go through the skills you need, how to do them. I'm interested to see if there's any top tips you would give young, aspiring strength coaches, physios to, to really like accelerate that process, right? So you obviously yeah. mentioned that those are the people you're working with, right? The students, you, you've got people going through your, your course as well. What advice would you give to those people to, to really make a difference and potentially stick out from the rest? Yeah, I mean, I think there's billions of con ed courses, continuing education courses out there. If you're a physical therapist in the rehab world, Go to a strength conditioning con ed course. Go learn from them. If you're a strength conditioning coach, go to a rehab, sports medicine, physical therapy based course. Now, I, now I understand someone listening might say, "Well, you know, you have to have a cert certain certification or certain credential." Yeah, for some of them, but not all of them. Like for example, if you're a physical therapist, go to a national essence, uh, national strength conditioning association clinical conference. That's one example. If you're a strength coach, I'm sure that there are plenty of uh, rehabilitation or physical therapy type models out there. A good one that I know they travel a lot. They do a great job. Michael Mash Barbell Rehab. He, his team of physical therapists teach physical therapists how to do SNC. It's phenomenal. So these are just a couple examples. But learn from the other side. I know. I know this sounds so obvious and like like come on, duh. But you'd be shocked at at how often people are afraid to get out of their comfort zone. That's the key. Brilliant stuff. So, Matthew Ibrahim, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I've really enjoyed it. Where can people find a little bit more about you and what you're up to? So, number one, athletic. 
performance and then then the letter u athleticperformanceu.com that's the mentorship and then hit me up on social instagram is probably the easiest place matthew ibrahim underscore brilliant massive thanks mate it's been a pleasure talking and looks forward to speaking again soon thank you brother appreciate your time cheers buddy and that's it once again a massive thanks to matthew for all of his hard work on today's podcast i really appreciate it i'm sure you do at home too before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science Sport Coach Academy. Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science courses, which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. So after Matthew's talk today, I'm sure you're excited to get into them. And you can do that completely for free for the next seven days using the link in the show notes. And what's more, every time you complete a course, you get a certificate of completion to prove your ongoing education. Matthew has actually provided one of the courses in there as well looking at the ankle and the calf so get yourself in there for free for seven days hitting that link in just a few seconds time and of course if you enjoyed today's podcast it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach a colleague an athlete or a friend that means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and best possible content and that's it once again a massive thanks from me i'm matt solomon of science of sport and i'll speak to you next week